Welcome to Mutiny Community, the officially unofficial podcast for Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Eric. And today we're talking about season three, episode four, titled Rules of Honorable Play. Yeah. Trying to figure out how many of these people are actually abiding by those. I think it's zero. I think the number is zero. Hmm. I'm trying to think here. I think maybe Boz. Okay. Maybe Boz. We could talk about that because I feel like he's... uh, Boz is feeling a little disillusioned with California, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's not doing him any favors. Yeah. So maybe Boz, but everybody else is being pretty unprofessionals. Uh, Maybe they're being professional, but they're being underhanded. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean... Cameron is, you know, being Cameron. And mm-hmm. She can't work with anybody else. But everybody else is pretty, pretty underhanded. Yeah, so far, so good this season. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that causes a lot of drama, which is always good in a drama. drama. Oh, yeah. Uh, but before we get to the show, I think we got to get to the Tandy Shandy. You're right, friend. we do. Uh, so I feel like I should make a musical drop or something for the Tandy Shandy. That's a good uh, idea. Maybe just the, is... the cracking of two cans. Yeah. That'd be that's good. good. Because uh, this is going to be hopefully a weekly thing where uh, you, the listener, gives us a Tandy Shandy recipe and we try it live on the air during the show. Right. Um, so, Jim, what's the recipe this week? Uh, well, I've got, I brewed up a couple concoctions of my own. Uh, one Ooh. that I'll, I'll do next week. But this week, I. I traditionally don't like cherry Coke. Okay. I've actually never been a big fan, so I went ahead and got one of those. Uh, okay. <laughs> off to a good start. And uh-huh. then I, I paired it with a Guinness. Mm. And it's actually not terrible. Okay. I, I feel like I needed to go maybe a little bit darker. Um, may, a maybe dark a porter. Or, or, or a little mm. bit rounder of a flavor, I guess, than a Guinness. But Yeah, I mean, I think maybe like a barley wine. Oh, but that that could get real sloppy on the podcast. <laughs> it could, yeah, yeah. So I stuck with cherry coke and a Guinness, and it's okay. it's all right. It's better than the coke and Budweiser. Yeah, well, I tried my damnedest uh, to follow. I don't remember who the listener was, but a listener last week sent in the Dr Pepper Shinerbach combo, which would be the Silicon Prairie Tandy Shandy, right? That was uh, Frankie. Deluxe. Frankie. Yep. Uh, so I tried my damnedest, and I got the Dr. Pepper, which I will open right now. Oh, that's a good sound. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had this one already open. I could not get a Shinerbach, and it kind of bummed me out, because I know that we have Shinerbach up here in Seattle, and my local grocer has this giant beer fridge that you could walk in, and they've got, like, every beer there, but they did not have Shinerbach. I was bummed out. Hmm. So I looked it up online. Shinerbach is an American lager. Mm-hmm. So I'm substituting Shinerbach. I am substituting it with Montucky. What is Cold that? Cold snack lager. So this is a beer that I have uh, been drinking for a while now because the local pinball, pinball bar carries it. It's one of these tall boy you know, American lagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much on par if you're in the Northwest with Rainier or Hams. Is it from the Northwest? Uh, it is. It's from Montana. It's uh, this guy who uh, was from t- Kentucky. He moved up to Montana, <laughs> okay. and he opened a brewery called Montucky. That explains it. However, Jim, I feel like I need to uh, need to put this out there for you because they do have a slogan on the side of the can, which I think you might take 
uh, take a little bit of an issue with. Oh, no. And that is the official, unofficial <laughs> beer of Montana. <laughs> if, they, if they were claiming maybe the Midwest, I'd be a mm-hmm. little more upset. But they can have Montana. I'm yeah, they that. can have Montana. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so this is, yeah, Montucky. So, you know, it's a tall boy. If you're in the Northeast, it's a Narragansett. You know, every region has their local lager tall boy. Is there something like that in the in the Breast Belt? Oh, Cincinnati? I'm, I'm sure. I, I have no idea. I don't drink beer very often. More of a, <sighs> a booze guy. More of a booze guy. Liquor. Well, you are right on the border with Kentucky. Yeah. So a fan of bourbon. That makes sense. Well, anyway, so I'm going to give this one a go. Okay, uh, how? Let, let us know how mm. it is. It's got that sweet. Okay, so I just took the lager. It's nice and sweet. Oh, oh! <laughs> mm. Ooh, I was. Uh, whew, I was underestimating how sweet a beverage could be. I'm not a big soda drinker, Jim. Right, me either. Um, I do drink sodas when I'm when I go out and get fast food. Uh huh. And I have like a specific soda depending on what restaurant I go to. And when I go to Jimmy John's, I get Dr. Pepper. But hmm. I, uh, man, this Dr. Pepper's tasting real strong. Man. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, let me, maybe this is just beginners, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just, it's just not good at the start. So I'm going to keep on going through this, through the podcast, and I'll, I'll, we'll check in later on the old. Uh, American Lager and Dr. Pepper combo. Whew. Okay. Well, why don't we check well, in with the episode then? Let's do that. <laughs> because I think we spent entirely too much time on the Tandy Shandy this week. I don't think we spent enough. I'm thinking spinoff oh. podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get to the episode. So what what's your overall vibe on this episode? Uh it's slightly bumpy for me. I mm-hmm. I did really like it. It was an enjoyable episode to watch, but there are a couple of, I guess, minor points that I I didn't necessarily appreciate. Yeah. Uh, and what were those? Well, so we all kind of know about Joe's sexuality, right? I mean, it's it's never been a question mm-hmm. um, uh, of whether he was gay or straight or bi. I think he comes down in the bi camp. Mm-hmm. Um I don't feel like we needed this huge reminder at the party, like where he's kind of, you know, given the one one second to his date yeah. or, or maybe not even his date, but just whoever that guy was. I was, yeah, I totally, that went over my head. I was kind of like, who is this guy? Now it makes a lot more sense yeah, I to ju- me. I just feel like we yeah. didn't need that to remind us. It was kind of already there. Yeah, it's already there, but I did like the scene where he basically calls out the dude. Oh yeah, no. That was for saying scene. that. I hope all the gay people in San Francisco die of AIDS. Like that was right. uncalled for, and I like that Joe kind of stood up for himself there, because Joe at this point, I I think that Joe is feeling bored as hell. Uh-huh. You know, he's sitting in his ivory tower. He's got everything that he's ever wanted, and yet he is ultimately unfulfilled. Um, and so he's trying to go off and do projects with Ryan and he's trying to find other ways, uh, to build his little Joe empire. And, and, you know, I like that he kind of blew it up there because I feel like that's kind of dual has a dual meaning. One, Joe isn't going to tolerate that kind of bullshit. And two, mm-hmm. Joe's ready to blow, blow up the shit and start anew, 
which sure. he does literally every season. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, sometimes he sets a truck on fire. Uh, other times he doesn't release a virus, but kind of does that crashes Westnet, right? Like, stuff like that. So I, I was, I appreciated that scene at least that he stood up to that dude. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, they, they totally drop it for a very long time mm-hmm. and then it comes back really a, a little over the top this episode for me. Hmm. Uh, okay. That's fair. Was there anything else that kind of uh, graded on you a little bit? Yeah. It's just the poor decision making from Donna. I mean, hmm. I, I know Cameron's been lying, but to have Donna come back and lie to Cameron, I know. it's, I, it's not necessarily like a bad, bad writing decision. It's just, oh, I hate to see it. Yeah, it's I I question the writing decision. You know, I'm not going to pass judgment on it yet because I want to see where it goes obviously, but I do mm-hmm. question it because Donna is like consensus everybody's favorite character on the show. Definitely. Everybody roots for Donna. And in many ways she's kind of the moral compass of the show and she herself is kind of becoming corrupted a little bit here. Yeah. And I just don't like to see her blatantly lying to Cameron, especially after the events of the episode, it's kind of a, a peculiar thing to me because we mentioned it last episode. Donna is really just going along without with whatever Cameron says. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been doing that kind of since the beginning of season three. And we called it out last week. We're like, why is she doing this? She should be making decisions. She should be keeping Cameron in check when Cameron falls out of line. Um, and... And it kind of gets called out in this episode when Diane says to Donna, she says, you know, uh, I'm investing in the relationship between you two. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm invested in is the relationship between you and Cameron. And after that, after <laughs> Diana says that or Diane says that, uh, Donna goes straight to Cameron and lies to her. Yeah. Big old fat blatant lie. So you could see that this once strong partnership is beginning to fracture so like mm-hmm. I said, I want to see where that goes, but it, it seemed like it was kind of a knee jerk. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And it, it seems like Cameron tr- tries to almost intentionally drive people away from her. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's what's going on with Brownie is what I'm calling him. Uh, I, I'm calling that <laughs> duo Blondie and Brownie because I don't know their names. Okay. Uh, but the brown haired guy who she has to drink with, uh, mm-hmm. I think... She's she's intentionally pushing people away from her. She's afraid to get hurt mm-hmm. again or something. Like I, I think he does call it out. Um, you know, Blondie when you know, he goes over the top and he calls her a man hating right. bitch or whatever, but right. uh I think his basic point is kind of on. She is afraid to get hurt. She's afraid to get hurt and she is also we talked about it, you know, since this podcast began a whole three weeks ago, she is a control freak. It's it's her thing. Right. Um, she wants to have complete autonomy, and the bigger and bigger Muni gets, the less and less autonomy she can realistically have. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially when she wants to be sitting down and coding. It's like you kind of got to figure out what you want to do, and I thought it was so interesting in this episode when Boz and... Uh, and Gordon are at the laser tag place, and Gordon's basically like, you know, being the boss isn't that great. It's way more fun to be down here. There's way less pressure. You just kind of chill out. Mm-hmm. Um, he is kind of realizing what I think Cameron would like the most. It's just this weird balance, and I think we all feel it. 
you know, I feel like you probably less so feel it because you kind of pursued your dreams, started a podcasting company, and <laughs> podcast for a living. Sure, I'm both at the bottom and the top at the same right. time. But at the same time, you're doing the job, right? Right. That you've always kind of, or that, that you, you know, you're, you're pursuing your dream here. Sure. Uh, I got dreams. <laughs> I also got a job, and okay. those two things do not necessarily cross hmm. in many ways. So uh, much like you could be... a soda and a beer. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so you know. This whole idea of being fulfilled by running this company and this kind of idea, I feel like this season is really exploring this of like, once you have what you always wanted, Mm -hmm. what actually makes you happy? And for Cameron, I think what makes her happy is sitting down and doing genius programming and finding, uh, finding the most elegant ways to code and... Uh, and I don't think that running a company is really what she likes to do because she yeah. can't collaborate. No. She doesn't delegate. She's not good at it. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't equate to a good uh, business model. No, I, I mean it's like you like you said there. It's not even that she's just not interested in it. It's that she's not mm-hmm. good at it. And there are people mm-hmm. who are much much better. For instance, Donna, um, Boz. Mm-hmm. I mean. Either of those two could easily take over the operations of this company and do a much better right. job. I I just, yeah, Cameron is frustrating a, a lot of the time. Um, yep. I, although I do understand her, and I'm, I have yeah. some sympathy, but I, I also feel like that that scene where Donna comes back to the office after the meeting she had with Diane, and she sees Cameron asleep at her desk, and she her anger turns to almost pity right like like yeah. she feels bad for cameron i'm gonna go ahead and say i think cameron did that on purpose i think cameron mm. was actually faking that she slept through the meeting um but either way i just don't think that that they need to cut her this much slack like yes you're overworked maybe you shouldn't be doing the low-end stuff or yeah. if you want to do that stuff maybe you should step down as the ceo of this company yeah i mean it's not even the low end stuff. I mean, it's it's basically she wants to own the code. Right, right. The CEO doesn't own the code, no, man. No, like that's that's not what the what the leader of the company does. So I'd be interested to see what her leadership stake is at this point because I don't think it's still ninety percent with Diane in the picture. Yeah, and, that's a good point. All that they had to give a piece to the. Uh, the guys who they bought out. So yeah, the swap meet guys. Yeah, so the, her pie is getting smaller and smaller. Yep. Um, can you tell me about this C plus plus nonsense? What do you want to know? It's a programming well, language. Wh- I know it's a programming language. So is is it basically just a uh, a dichotomy of languages? Like, did they ever talk about what Cameron programs in? I what language she programs in? I don't know if they did. Yeah, I mean, I. I seriously doubt she's in something as low level as assembly. Although I think I I remember them mentioning that as, when they were doing the port over to Linux or, or Unix mm-hmm. rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's assembly, and if it is assembly, then I, I can see why they're so insistent on C plus plus because there's a lot of structure in that language that makes things uh, easier to organize and a, a lot faster for coding. Um, now right. now the the instructions don't run as fast. So like if you're if you're using a low-level assembly language, your program will run faster, but it's much harder to maintain. 
And that's essentially okay. their point is a lot of the structure of the code uh, that C++ gives them isn't available in whatever language she's using. Yeah, exactly. And she, you know, she's keeping track of the loops in her head. Right. Um, you know, it's it just doesn't spell for for uh, as a scalable code it doesn't it doesn't yeah. scale especially you know? for a team like that's yeah. that's the real problem is this team needs to have all the knowledge she has in order to be effective and that's just right. not feasible yeah so it's kind of bumming me out a little bit but i mean we might as well get to the elephant in the room here is she getting edged out i think maybe maybe okay i don't know what donna's up to quite yet i think she's yeah, getting donna's- edged out of the clark house i hope Please, God. Well, Donna got real shifty real quick. Yeah. Like, she got super shifty super quick. Like, why is she in the corner of the basement? <laughs> Do we know this? And For effect, man. It was so creepy. It and was. then Cameron just kind of leaves her there. I want them to talk. I want them to get along. And none of that is happening. Yeah. And it's it's really concerning to me because... It seems like this whole bullshit started when Diane tells uh, tells Donna that she is investing in her relationship with Cameron. As soon as Diane says that to Donna, Donna starts sabotaging the relationship? Yeah, that's weird. It's weird, right? Um, Maybe. It, so uh, this is clearly some kind of reverse psychology from Donna, right? Like, you yeah. can stay as long as you want. Be happy here. She's clearly trying to get her out of the Clark house. I I think she's doing that in order to try to repair the relationship because that that sort mm. of you know closeness is actually working against them in some ways. Yeah, I think it is kind of telling that earlier in the episode when they were looking at the house, the real estate agent thought they were a couple. Right. And you know, I think that there's more than just saying, oh, we're in San Francisco, so they might be a couple, you know? Sure. Uh, I think that it's, uh, I think that it is, they're kind of married here. I think that they, Donna says that they, when they, you know, bought uh, Swap Beat, they married them. Like, this yeah. is, these are the types of terms that Donna uses. And maybe at this point, Donna has realized that she doesn't want to quite be in bed with Cameron because she's seen Cameron... Uh, really blow shit up over and over and over. Yes, she definitely has. So, I, I just think it was a bit of a quick turn because Donna has been mm-hmm. on Cameron's leash basically the entire season so far. I thought it was a quick turn to have her creepily st- s- sitting in the corner of the basement. Yeah. Just chilling. <laughs> um, I'm a little sad that Gordon's uh, ham radio isn't still happening. Oh, right. Like, that whole thing just went out the window. Yeah, what happened to that? It got replaced with Duck Hunt. Huh. That's odd. Like, yeah. Like, many things, it got replaced by video games. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but it's also interesting here. Like, Gordon is letting go a little bit. Like, he is basically saying, fuck it. I'm just going to chill and play laser tag and Duck Hunt. And my headaches have gone away. I don't have to worry about Joe because I don't give a fuck about anything. I'm going to chill. Yeah. And maybe he's found his happy place. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's becoming maybe the chillest version of Gordon that we've seen yet, which mm-hmm. I like. 
I mean, I, I do like, you know, gung ho Gordon, who's going to try to build a company from the, from the ground up again. But yeah, I also, I equally like chilled out Gordon, who's not going to make his symptoms worse by stressing himself out. You know, I, I feel like Gordon's in a good spot. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's kind of gotten past his, uh, I need to run a company. I mean, he ran Cardiff. He made the giant. He made the giant pro. Was that the desktop version? I think um, so. Sold the company. Started another company. That company failed. Uh, started exhibiting a lot of symptoms based on his CTE, and now he's like, "I'm going to chill out." Mm-hmm. He's got a pretty sweet gig right now, dude. Yeah. Like he gets to go play laser tag and duck hunt. He's mostly based. He's mostly basing his life at this point on laser interface uh, uh, accessories. And he kind of, so, <laughs> right. Maybe uh, he's going to get in the lasers. Maybe. Maybe he's going to shoot some space lasers. Maybe. Like, you know how Pepsi did that uh, that moon riding thing? There that projection? I Way back in the day. I think, they, I think they tried to put their logo up on the moon. I, I don't know if they did actually it. succeeded or if they were just working on it, but they tried to project it onto the moon, which okay. to me is insane. But maybe Gordon's going to get into that. Okay. Oh, it was a... Um, I'll just put a okay. mustache on the moon. I guess Pepsi moonvertising hoax fools thousands in Iran. That's the first <laughs> thing that came up. Okay. Um, so... This could be entirely you know. made up, yeah. Gotcha, Iran. Gotcha. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm cool. I'm cool with chilled out Laser Gordon. Yeah, this is the happy Gordon. He, he seems to be keeping this team together as best as he can as well. I mean, nobody else is looking out for this team, right? It's just Gordon down exactly. there in the bullpen. Nobody's looking out for him. Nobody gives a shit about them. They can't even do their jobs because Cameron's sitting on her ass. I mean, she's yeah. not she's not being lazy, but she has put she has overburdened herself mm-hmm. and there's no way that she can keep up with the uh with the speed of business here. And so they're all just sitting on their butts. Yeah. Um. So she's doing a major disservice to them as well. That's the thing. Like I, I totally see the viewpoint, and we've been parroting it for the last couple weeks that Cameron should probably step down. But at the same time, I completely uh, disagree with the way that Donna is going about it. Right. If if she is in fact going about it. Yeah, they need it. Well, the problem is they've had an honest conversation about this, and Cameron's like, no, 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 no. I can do it. And that's all she ever thinks. And then I I don't know what the breaking point is going to be for Cameron, where she realizes I can't do everything and I actually Mm -hmm. need to give something up. It it doesn't seem at this point like there is one. So at the end of the episode, when she was sitting with Gordon and she said, you know, I don't play well with others. Do you think that was a moment of catharsis or do you think that was a moment of snarkiness? Hmm. That was before she realized what Donna was doing, right? It was like right before. Yeah, I feel like, like that was still snarky, before. Cameron. Like <laughs> there was that yeah. shift in the kitchen uh, from snarky Cameron to oh mm-hmm. shit, I'm losing my company, Cameron. Yeah, uh, but but before that, yeah, I think it was snarky. So the other question is, do you think we're going to open uh, next episode? She's going to be in Texas getting the motorcycle. Oh, because she's got to get this motorcycle by the Fourth of July. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd love to have like an easy rider opening of her riding through like <laughs> New Mexico. That'd be sweet. Yeah, riding through the high desert yeah, on the back of a Harley. 
Yep. Um, with with Boz on the back. Her and Boz. <laughs> gonna... Boz. Boz has his arms wrapped around her. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, they're going to have to do something with that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't just tease a plot like that and let it be. I think um, Tom's going to come into play there again. I mean, they, they oh, have wow. teased Tom, and she's got to go back that direction, right? So, yeah. Well, Brownie looks a lot like Tom he in does? some certain shadows. I, I have, yeah. I have this big theory. That's kind of why I was saying, you know, she, she is afraid to get hurt because I think she pushed, like, as soon as she got close to Brownie, they had their their midnight drink or whatever. Right. Uh, she realized, oh my God, Tom is happening all over again. I'm gonna yeah. try and I'm gonna try and put the kibosh on this. Let's fire both of them. Totally. Uh, I think that was more personal than a business thing for her, which mm-hmm. everything is. Uh, yep. But yeah, I, I think that's part of it. She just wants to get them out because she doesn't want to get close to anyone. It's really interesting because we've seen her entire career since she graduated from college or maybe dropped out of college. Did she actually graduate? I don't think she did. I don't think so. So we've basically seen her entire professional career starting being locked in a storage closet writing the BIOS code for the uh, giant mm-hmm. um so it's it's just an interesting thing to see her career projection because i do feel like she would totally be fine she doesn't need mutiny she just has a you know a strong sense of ownership over it mm-hmm. but even that seems to be fading because the old days of her actually walking around in the interface and living eats eating sleeping and breathing this thing that seems to be behind her she seems more protective of her old code and almost nostalgic for it than she does uh a proponent of the new mutiny let me ask you this so i i I do Mm -hmm. agree with you she is very protective of it and i think that's one of the big things going on in this scene but i think this this might also be wrapped up with the tom stuff i wonder if this code that she's hanging on to is not the loophole that allows her to spy on the private chats which she was using uh, to keep track of Tom. This might be conspiracy theory. It might be a bridge too far, but I'm wondering if dude, there's a more to it. Our conspiracy theories have been, I mean, they're not conspiracy theories, but our theories have been playing out pretty well. I'd like to I mean, think we so. Got, we got the bros coming over uh-huh. from, uh, we totally called the bros. Uh, we've been t- calling all this uh, Donna, you know, uh, basically pandering the cavern and having that backfire. I don't think that's a bad idea because it does seem strange to me. Like, I actually wrote it down. Uh, You know, it's the only code that's been written by me completely. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's her code. She has ownership over it. That's such a weird thing to do as a creator because, I mean, mean, you're a creator. You make podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like... I and I have a, I have a bunch of podcasts and I have a bunch of old. I'm a graphic designer. I do a bunch of graphic design. My graphic designs from years ago, sure, I kind of hold them dear as nostalgia pieces, but I think they mostly suck. <laughs> like it's this thing of of stuff that I thought that I stuff that I did that I thought was really awesome. Like five years ago, I look at it now and I'm like, oh my god, I wouldn't show that to anybody. Oh, of course. So it's got to be the same type of thing here mm-hmm. with with Cameron. Um, you know, she is a creator, and I'm sure that her code that she wrote years ago isn't as elegant as the code she could put do today. So I think you're onto something here because just because it's the only piece of code that she wrote is such a strange and really bonkers reason to keep this legacy <laughs> code that is 
burdened with technical debt. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like your time I'm, angle. I guess I agree with you there. I I can sort of understand where she's coming from. If like she really is this loner who who wishes she was still doing her own thing, maybe that's part of it. But I think the bulk of it is Tom. Old Timmy Tom. I don't. I keep on forgetting about Tom, but they gotta bring him back. And I think you're right. I think going back to Texas, presumably Texas, and right. getting the motorcycle could be her chance to reunite with Old Thomas. Seems like it. And hmm, this is interesting. Maybe introduce him to the Tandy Shandy. Maybe introduce him to a little bit of a Tandy Shandy. Speaking of which, dude, I can't even freaking drink this Dr Pepper. <laughs> The something of, too sweet. Well, I mean, I drink. I can drink a Dr Pepper, but something about drinking it with the lager uh-huh. makes it. Well, lager was going to be the next flavor that they were going to add. But right. They said we've reached the we're limit re- of flavor. <laughs> but, it's too much. <laughs> One more flavor, and it's it's over. But that's the problem. Is like mixing it with the lager. I feel like makes it more sweet. It like amplifies the sweetness. Uh huh. So yeah, I'm feeling that with the cherry coke and Guinness too. This is going to be a quest. Uh, I do want to throw in here since we are halfway through the show at this point. Uh, I'm going to be putting up a Tandy Shandy mega thread on forums.baldmove.com. So cool, listeners, please go to forums.baldmove.com. Is it forums or forum? Forums. Forums.baldmove.com and uh, give us your recipe for a Tandy Shandy because frankly. It was it was a valiant effort, but the Dr Pepper and American Lager is not. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not the best we could do. I think I think we can iterate. We can iterate here. Um, okay, so let's get back. Uh, how are you feeling about Joe in this episode? Because last episode we were just Joeing it up. We were so uh, interested yeah. and in love with what Joe was doing. And this episode seems a bit seems like a bit of a step back for Joe in terms of prominence. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, he's not in it much. Um, we're more focused on mutiny, but I, I, so yeah, I mean, Joe sabotages his own business right? in a way he calls it a trade. I think it's more of like <laughs> Joe, Joe giving into his impulses and yeah. salvaging something after the fact. Yeah. Um, cause, cause he does realize, you know, in that meeting, Oh, packet switching. That sounds interesting. Okay. Uh, so but can you explain packet switching to me? Cause I don't know what that is. Uh, that's a really good question. Okay. And it's real technical, and I'm not sure if I understand it fully, but essentially what he's onto here is the internet. Okay. Uh, ARPANET, ARPANET is what kind of the internet spawned out of. They're using the TCP IP protocol, which is part, which is the protocol that the internet uses to communicate mm-hmm. uh, between servers and stuff. So it, basically he is onto the, the idea of the internet. Okay. Yeah, and a quick Google search returns a mode of data transmission in which a message is broken into a number of parts that are sent independently over whatever route is optimum for each packet and reassembled at the destination. So it's basically Star Trek teleporting, or what is it? What's, what's it called in Star Trek? Transporter. Transporter. Yeah, yeah it's a transporter, but uh, for data, and that's and that's essentially what the internet is, right? It breaks it down and then puts it back together for you. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, I'm and I'm by no means a technical person, but so they're they're going to make the internet. Is that really what's happening here? It seems like it. It seems like him and Ryan are just going to run with the ARPANET stuff. Now, I mean, I, nobody really 
no one person in the private sector said, hey, I made the internet. Mm-hmm. It, it was a collaboration, and it was based off the back of this government project at the DOD called ARPANET. Um, so it's it's the genesis, kind of, okay. of the internet. But it's also the genesis of consumer internet, because this was a government sure. project. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's what they're going to do. That's interesting. That's a little <laughs> and on I don't the nose, know. but yeah. It, it is, and it's surprisingly quick. I, I mean, jumping from antivirus four episodes ago yeah. to this immediately making the internet is kind of crazy. Um, can you clear something up for me here, then? Because okay. if the internet doesn't exist now, then how does Mutiny operate? So they're running on BBSs, which is is kind of a localized internet, which you connect to with your phone line. Okay. Um, so you dial directly to a server. And I think this is where the packet switching comes in, in that you can you can connect to your server locally when you go on the internet, and it knows where the other servers are, and it will send that data out mm. along, like it said, the best route, um, and, and get that information to the server and get information back. Whereas with a BBS, you're just directly connected to a server. Okay. And that's all you can access. So all the Mutiny users are, are connected directly to the server that's in the basement of Mutiny. I I think that's true. Now, I don't know if they have some kind of distributed BBS system, which would be more like the internet. Okay. But, yeah, it seems that's the case. Okay. Well, I think that this is an appropriate time then, then to go to the forums because we did have some discussion about this on the forum. Red Lancer from okay. Seattle says, great city, by the way, Red Lancer. Uh, <laughs> so I guess Joe and Ryan are just going to Forrest Gump themselves into inventing the internet. Uh, does that mean Mutiny will become one of the first content providers akin to something like America Online? That would actually fit pretty well with how the show has developed Mutiny over the last couple seasons. Doing mm-hmm. the cursory Wikipedia search slash copy slash paste, the early AOL history includes graphical chat environments from 1986 uh-huh. to 1988, the first online interaction fiction series, Quantum Link serial in 1988 and quantum space the first fully automated play by email game uh sounds like Hmm. a pretty good description of mutiny throw in ebay and craigslist and they can have and they can cover about 50 percent of the content of the early internet they have to start a porn site to cover the other 50 (laughs) percent so that one comes from steve uh that's interesting i mean how would you feel if it turns out that this is another plot to get joe and cameron back in the same working agreements because i think that's a little worn out i'm with you Mm -hmm. but i don't you also feel like that's the way it's headed i don't know man i i could see cameron getting edged out of mutiny going off on her own and creating Uh mutiny of the mutiny and (laughs) donna going back with joe because Hmm. Um, I feel like Donna has always been more open to working with Joe. And I don't know. You know, they had that nice little personal connection when he came over for dinner that one night. And the storm was happening. And uh-huh. uh, Gordon wasn't there. And he watched Gordon watched that dude get electrocuted to death. Never brought that up again. Um, <laughs> he forgot about it. Yeah, because he was get, get, getting the cabbage patch doll. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, but I think you're forgetting about season two. Right. 
Because, man, Joe fucked Donna hard in season two. Yes, he did. And she had that giant outburst where she, like, started crying uh-huh. uh, during the negotiations. You're right. Uh, I just don't think she would want to work with him again. So the other thing here is in this episode, Joe meets uh, Diane Gould for the first time. Right, yeah. And Diane could really have a huge uh, huge part in the perhaps sale of mutiny to Joe. Right. That could be that could be interesting. Especially if Cameron gets pushed out and her shares go somewhere else. Yeah. If her shares get spread up spread out amongst the board, um, that could be really interesting. Hmm. Because, yeah, Joe could just acquire Mutiny as a homepage for his new ISP. Uh-huh. Interesting. With the stock ticker. Got to have that stock ticker. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, aside from speculation here, um, Joe's got some other things that are happening in this episode. He is so snarky in this episode. Uh, particularly at the party when, I mean, he already seems like he's trying to plant the seeds of sabotage with Diane. Um, when mm-hmm. he's like, I didn't think, you know, she'd be able to work with other people. She must be in a good place. When he tells mm-hmm. Diane that at the party, that's another instance of Joe kind of maybe un- planting the seed of this, of, per- of perhaps a mutiny acquisition in the future. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But he's also being a dick to Boz. <laughs> right. Like I th- He's sticking it to him. There's a little bit, I think, of Joe being the wallflower at the party who's pissed off that nobody's talking to him, even though he's not making any effort. Uh, you know, he sees Bosworth being a giant hit at this party with all these yuckety yucks up in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. uh and when he finally, you know, gets to say hi to Boz, he says, Good call playing up the Texas thing. You know, you're making a lot of friends. Like, uh, just underhanded comments by Joe McMillan in this episode. Absolutely. Do, do you think there's maybe a little bit of, like, Joe wants a taste of what Boz has and Boz wants a taste of what Joe has? Well, I really do think that Boz and Joe are cut from the same cloth because at the base of both of their skill sets is salesman, like, plus six. Absolutely. Like th- yeah. they're rolling high on salesmen. That's that's basically what they are. They're cut they're cut from the same cloth. Um don't forget that Boz is the one who hired Joe at Cardiff. Uh uh-huh. you know, it, and so I think there's always a rivalry amongst salesmen uh, uh, at some level. Um, Especially when they send you to prison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's where the rivalry really comes to a head. Oh, well, yeah, but Joe didn't send him to prison. I mean, Boz did that himself. Uh, yeah, but he started it in motion. He did start Boz it in motion. Boz was happy where he was. Boz was happy, totally happy where he was, and if Joe hadn't walked into his life, Boz wouldn't have gone to prison. That is that is true. But <laughs> Boz did do that kind of on his own volition. In fact, right. I think 100% okay, on his fair. own volition. Otherwise, Joe would be in jail too. But um, uh, but yeah, they're, they're kind of cut from the same cloth. I think that the difference is people genuinely like Boz, Mm-hmm. And people genuinely do not like Joe. I mean, there is a complete right. lack of human connection. You could see in this episode, the only other person who even likes to be around Joe is somebody who's completely socially inept. So, mm-hmm. and that's Ryan. So, yeah. uh, but people do respect Joe, and uh-huh. I think 
Boz is missing a little bit of that now. Yeah. Because he's, he's seen as the life of the party and mm-hmm. kind of a bit of a clown. He is seen as a bit of a clown. And that's, he also, he, he really got bent out of shape in that inter, in that interaction with Diane, uh, which happened right. right after his interaction with Joe. And in that, Diane basically said, you know, I, I you know, I just didn't want to come here alone. That's why I invited you. I feel like she kind of played off that she invited him because she kind of liked him. And mm-hmm. I think that's what he took offense to. But then she doubled down on it when she started talking about her divorce. And she was like, you know, you could be with somebody for 20 years. You could have kids with them and then feel nothing. I mean, Boz still loves his ex-wife. You know, we had that mm-hmm. scene uh, after he got back from prison when they were meeting in the hotel room, uh, having these little, you know, meetups um, and these little romantic meetups. But at the same time, she wouldn't be seen with him in public. And she asked him not to come to their son's, you know, rehearsal dinner and asked him not to come to their son's wedding. And I feel like he never fell out of love with his wife. And so I think hearing Diane say that uh, made him kind of think about his own wife and then turned him sour a little bit on Diane because, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. he he doesn't want to write people off like that. Right. I don't know. It's... uh, it's an interesting thing with Boz, and it's a little bit of a bummer because I think he's back down in the dumps here. I think yeah. that he's not happy where he's at. Even though he's got some good jokes, they're they're just out of gas. Yeah, so I, there's got to be a new drinking game here for Halt and Catch Fire. <laughs> and that's, Every time we jump into the middle yeah. of a Boz joke. It's just the punchline. Right, just the punchline. Every time we open a scene with Boz giving a punchline. And I like how they handled it in this episode because it was getting a bit out of hand. But oh, yeah. I like how they did the rule of threes. He did it three times in the episode. And then when Gordon asked him to do it, he goes, no, nah, that's worn out. Yep. So I like how they handled it, this, but it was getting a little bit worn out. Like, really, is that all Boz is here for is transitions? Uh, so we could have, <laughs> have him do that. He had his moment last episode. Yeah, he did. He had his one moment. And now he's back to depressed Boz, which, uh, is, you know, every, every, it's, it's the best Boz in my book. I, I love to see Boz as sad as possible because he's my favorite character. <laughs> oh, God. Just leave him like that. You know, just stay in the house, Cameron. I don't even care. Just stay here as long <laughs> as you want. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm interested to see what happens with Boz. I think he's headed back to Texas. I don't think he's he's long for California. Hmm, okay. That's my... That with or my, without Diane? With or without, I feel like the Diane thing kind of soured in this episode. And oh, completely? Okay. I don't know if it was completely, but I don't know. The show is rather of, of being a little bit of a roller coaster at times. Sure. So, I mean, we had Donna's quick knee-jerk turn. We had the ham radio subplot that seemed to be <laughs> pervasive that just completely disappeared. Maybe this uh, yeah. this Diane romance is short-lived as well. Yeah, to me, I mean, that says that that ham radio thing was more thematic mm-hmm. than important to the plot. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of wondering if he was actually talking to anyone. I don't know that we'll ever find out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just hope that it... Maybe maybe it'll come back at the very end. He'll just go in the closet. There'll be, there'll be some giant blow-up at the end of the season, and he just goes in the closet and turns on the ham radio. And yeah, he, uh, maybe. What's the line? I can't remember what it is. Q, QT or something? I don't know. Anyway, it's it's not interesting. I don't. But, 
but you know what is interesting is uh, listener feedback. We do have some emails this week, right, Jim? Uh, we do. Can I talk real quickly oh. about Ryan? No. Emails. No. Damn it. Okay. If somebody's uh, got to run this ship, Jim, somebody's got to run it. Is Joe still hazing Ryan, or or <laughs> is his process really this esoteric? I don't think it's this esoteric. I like his process, actually. If the okay. idea is good enough, we'll remember it. You know, good ideas are the enemy of great ideas. I like his whole philosophy, honestly. Um, you know, he wants to work. He wants to distill the most valuable thing down and work on that. Mm-hmm. I would say that Ryan is... Uh, I want to see a little bit more development out of Ryan. Okay. I think this aw shucks, I can't believe I work with Joe McMillan thing shouldn't be still happening, and it is. Like, yeah. Like, there was a lot of... That that was kind of my number one thing that I had an issue with in this episode, was there was a lot of kind of clunky writing, um, which you're going to get in episodic television, especially episodic television that's struggling for viewers. I don't think that... Uh, you know, they got to kind of fill people in week to week because they're not going to do a full recap of what happened last week. But this thing mm-hmm. of Ryan and Joe are, have presumably been sitting in this apartment for days writing ideas. And Ryan's first lines are like, I can't believe we're up here, you know, uh, trying to pay for the free antivirus software that you're giving away. I'm like, dude, uh-huh. you don't have to recap the whole thing. You've been in this room with them for three days. You don't have to do that. <laughs> So I, I want to see this aw shucks thing with Ryan kind of dissipate and have him be the genius that he is. That's what's that's what's interesting about Ryan. When he was in whiteboarding with Donna and Cameron, that was like his most interesting scene. Yeah. Um, I want more of that. Do you think he's going to be any kind of antagonist toward Joe? Do you think Joe's going to have the ideas that Ryan doesn't like and he's not going to want to run with him or something? Mm. Will there be any contention in that relationship? There can't be because it's not a it's not a two sided relationship. Cameron and Donna is a two sided sure. relationship. Donna and right. Gordon is a two sided relationship. Joe and Ryan, Joe's got a hundred percent of the power in that relationship, and he knows yeah. it, and everybody knows it. That's the nature of the relationship. So I don't see Ryan at this point. They haven't done enough with his character to make him the foil for Joe. Uh, or even an antagonist for Joe. At this point, he is so wide-eyed and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed working with the great Joe McMillan that uh, I don't see him becoming being anything more than a henchman at this point. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, okay, let's get to these emails. Yeah? Okay, sounds good. We start off with Evan, who says, uh, Hi, Jim and Eric. Been a fan of Hall and Catch Fire since episode one. Mm. He was on this train early. Uh, the initial draw for me was the characters are of my generation. I was a displaced Yankee in college in Arkansas during the 80s with my Commodore 64 hooked up to an old black and white TV trying to play games off cassette tapes. Uh, one of his favorites was Mule and who didn't love Zork. As for the Tandy Shandy, my Uncle Henry, uh, a cocktail aficionado of 1960s, would make us kids shandy gaffs during family picnics. His version was half Budweiser and half birch beer. <laughs> so, do, do you know what birch beer is? I don't, but why is he giving the kids he, alcohol? It's a simpler yes, time. Simpler time. That, right. It was the 80s. Yeah. Everything was better in the 80s. Uh, so birch beer, he says, is like root beer, but not quite as sweet. Okay. 
Uh, and you can't really get it in a lot of places, but I think maybe we'll have to try that as a recipe. I like it. I mean, if the one stipulation has got to have caffeine in it. That's the whole reason for the Tandy Shandy. Right, to keep you sharp. Yeah. Although, if you can't drink the Dr. Pepper, I don't know how you're supposed to get the caffeine. Because it's real sweet. <laughs> but yeah, let's. Uh, I'm sure I could get some birch beer up here and from an artisan shop in Seattle. Well, it, it doesn't have the caffeine. That's the problem. All right. Well, I'll throw in some Coca-Cola. I, I do want to try this. Especially, uh, you know, I have a niece now. She's um, She just turned six months. So, we'll be... Uh, Oh. Administering alcoholic beverages to her very soon. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> start out with that shandy gaff. You know, you got to start them early. It's like I, I call it the middle ages diet. It's all potatoes <laughs> and, and and beer for the children. Well, thanks, Evan. And uh, if you, the listener, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us mutiny at baldmove dot com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. Mutiny at baldmove.com, or you can go on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. I want to see the Tandy Mega Thread, Tandy Shandy Mega Thread blow up. Hell just, yeah. Just like a shaken up, uh, up Coca Cola. I've got one for next week. I'll, I'll go post it. Okay. Um, yeah, anything else on this episode, Jim? No, I think that's about it. I'm, cool. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Um, yeah. I, I guess, especially with. Donna and Cameron, because I know that thing has to blow up right real soon. Yep. Uh, they've both been lying to each other, and it needs to come to a head. So, absolutely. And you know, episode four, it's it's these these are where we start to set up really what's going to be in motion for the meat of the season. So, uh, yeah. I think that there are a lot of wheels ready to go here. Um, so, I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. Uh, one quick interesting tidbit here. This. Uh, episode was directed by Jake Paltrow, who is Gwyneth Paltrow's brother. Okay. Yeah. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> uh, still letting the Paltrows work. They apparently, apparently, they haven't been run out of Hollywood quite yet. So don't they have enough money? How much? How much of the GDP is Paltrow money? <laughs> <laughs> well, they've cornered the vegan market. <laughs> Right. Um, so, and if you ever want advice on anything in terms of raising your kids or anything, they've cornered that market as well. Hmm. So, and now they're now they're cornering our sweet sweet halt and catch fire. So, Jim, I think that we are, we're going to have to cut it off, or else uh, Jake Paltrow is going to take our lives. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Let's cut this thing off. Probably my greatest ending to any show ever. So, listener, please keep in touch. And uh, we'll see you next week for episode five of Halt and Catch Fire. Until then, I'm Eric. And I'm Jim. Log out. <laughs>